following message is from Grace on the Ashley Baptist Church, located in Charleston, South Carolina. For more information about Grace on the Ashley, visit graceontheashley.org. Some important questions about your future as a church. Part of that is what I will preach on this morning. And so some of the questions that we began to ask and some of the things that I saw for this community and for the larger story that's unfolding in Charleston, South Carolina is part of what God was doing in Greg's heart simultaneously. So we began to ask these types of questions. These are questions that I, I've been asking for years myself. What does it look like to better reach the community? What does it look like for a church, this church in West Ashley, to better reach this community? What does it look like to be a part of that? Is there a bigger story being unfolded in Charleston that this church is a part of? Is there parts of the kingdom of God that we have a unique opportunity to be a part of? That's another important question for us. And then maybe the most important question that we begin to ask as leaders about the future of the church is this. What does it look like to evangelize, to live out evangelism in Charleston in 2019? That's a hard question. There's a lot that's changed over the years in this community, in this city, and in the world, as you know. So those are the type of questions that we begin to wrestle with. My background tends to just naturally move in this direction. I come from the business world. I've sat where you've sat as a, as a normal congregant of a church. I've been in leadership, but I've also been in the pew as well. And so I know what it's like to fight in a world, to fight in a secular world, and then come here on Sunday mornings and worship. And so you're wrestling with this idea, what does all this stuff look like? And so I'm naturally bent to think through these questions because I've had to sort of out of my background. I've had to sort of out of necessity. So as a church, we don't aim for you to necessarily answer these questions on your own. We aim for you to live out the answers to these questions. That's an important distinction, not that you can't think about them, but what I mean by this is leadership is responsible for sort of dealing with these issues, thinking through these issues, praying about them, vetting systems, thinking some more, discussing, praying, and then ultimately placing opportunities in front of you to mobilize as a church in this community and in this city and amongst the nations. So back to our questions, how does this church better reach the immediate community in West Ashley? How do we reach this city? How should we think about grace on the Ashley's position in the kingdom of God? Is there a larger story unfolding in Charleston? And what does our role look like in that? And how do we mobilize as a community to reach the lost? What does evangelism look like nowadays? Part of the answer to that question, a foundational answer to that question, is our new small group system that we will unfold in the late fall, and that is city groups. Just as I said earlier, city groups will be an attempt, will be the attempt, uh, will be the means by which we deal with these questions. We're not going to deal with them perfectly. It's, it's messy, it's a messy world out there, but this is going to be our church's attempt to deal with some of these questions. And so the purpose of them will be twofold. It will be to live on mission in community. That's the purpose of them. Your pastors, Greg, myself, Jim Pitts, Steve Parks, Josh Dickard, Roger Parker, and John Butts, we are formally calling this congregation to be a part of a city group. 
Everyone individually, to, we want everyone to be a member of these groups and be a part of what's going on this. So this is the key statement. We want you to be a part of these groups in order that you write this down if you, if you take notes, in order that you may live on mission in community for the gospel. You're going to hear that over and over, to live on mission in community for the gospel. That's the key statement of that. So you see two things in that. You hear these two words over and over and over and over and over again throughout the weeks ahead. You will hear the word mission and community, mission and community, mission and community. So here's what's going to happen. Again, I'm going to preach on the mission part of it today, and then we're going to come back to community on the 1st of September. Lots coming down the pipe in communications, and we'll launch these in late September. So to the text... You ready to go? Everybody ready to go? Ready to buckle up here? To the text, Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 5. Hear the masterful words of the prophet Isaiah. This is a beautiful piece of scripture. Isaiah tells us, he says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the people's. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And the nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around you, and see, they are all gathered together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant, and your heart shall thrill and exalt, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you, and the wealth of the nations shall come to you. Isaiah is a masterful book in the Old Testament. The depth of Isaiah is really unmatched in my opinions and in, in my opinion in all of scriptures. I once asked an Old Testament scholar, a very, very, very brilliant man, what are the two most important books in the Old Testament? And he said it's a tie. It's a tie between Deuteronomy and Isaiah. It's a very important book in the Old Testament. The context of this passage is important to us. Context when you read the Bible is in general important to us. So the context of this passage, it comes to us, this piece of scripture comes to us after the Lord has rescued his people from Babylon and after he has redeemed them from sin. In this passage, it's situated as almost an expectation passage. It's an expectation to the anointed one, to the Messiah, to Jesus Christ. So there's a future expectation to this passage. This piece of Old Testament scripture, it's an early portrait of the Lord's grace descending upon his people and the effects of that grace. You see that with me? This passage, it's a poem. It's situated before Jesus arrives, before his expected coming, but it touches on the great restoration that comes at the end as well. It gives us a picture of this great restoration that comes with Jesus' second coming. So the reason we're here in this text this morning is I think this piece of scripture, it will give us directive, it will give us directive on an important statement. Hear this. This piece of scripture will give us a directive on how to live as redeemed people as we wait on the second arrival of Jesus. That's what this scripture will do for us this morning. This passage, it will teach us that what it is like to live as redeemed people as we await for the arrival of Jesus, the fulfillment of the kingdom of God, the restoration of the new heavens and the new earth. How do we live as redeemed people as we wait on the second arrival of of Jesus? So back to the text. Look with me at the first two verses again. Hear these words again. These are beautiful. This is so beautiful to me. He says, Arise and shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and 
thick darkness to peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you. This passage is specifically applied to the city of Zion. Isaiah gives us the subject in verse 14. If you flip over to verse 14, I think it is, he gives us the subject of this passage. He gives us the subject right there. It's the city of, uh, yeah, in verse 14, he's the city of the Lord, the city of Zion. It's the heavenly city that we're children of God are born into. When Isaiah wrote this passage, he was referring to a specific people group. He was referring to a specific city and a specific people group and the promised future Messiah. But we know now that Jesus has arrived. The gospel has spread beyond Zion. It's spread beyond this city. And so hear the words from Hebrews 12.12. Hebrews 12.12, the writer of Hebrews says, But you, he's talking about you and I, the redeemed people of God, have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the innumerable angels and festal gatherings and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. If you're a child of God, you're enrolled in the new Zion. You're part of this new city. Those that are in the faith... God's grace, God's, your child by God's free grace, you've, in, you've been embraced by God's favor. You're enrolled in heaven. You're part of the city of God. You bow to King Jesus. You inherit the new heavens and the earth. But in the meantime, as we wait on the final arrival of Jesus, how do we live as redeemed people in this new Zion? How do we live by that? Isaiah tells us this. He says, arise, your light has come. The church has been called to stand up and show itself. It's precisely what the new city group system will do for you. It's an opportunity for you as a child of God, as an heir of Zion, as the church of the city of God, to rise and shine in this community. To arise and shine in this city. Your light, the gospel of Jesus Christ, your light has come. Arise and shine. Arise and shine. The launch of this small group system will be a call for you to live on mission in community for the gospel. Formally, this church has been called to stand up and show itself as the children of God. And this is what we're calling you to do in city groups. The mission aspect of these groups will be you living out the gospel in everyday life. We want you to be light in your community. It's really a very simple concept. We want you to be light in the community that you live in. We want you to serve this city. We want you to love people. We want you to love your neighbor. And we want you to live out the gospel in this city. We want you to arise and shine because your light has come. We want you to arise and shine because your light, the gospel of Jesus Christ, has come. The last two weeks, Greg's been preaching on the idea of godliness. He's been tying godliness, the practice and preparation that goes into godliness, he's been tying it into this aspect of sports. Just as an athlete trains for godliness, we train for godliness as well through a number of different ways. What's important about that, how this is linked to what we're going to do with these city groups, the city group is the ball game. You understand? The city group's the game. You're preparing for this, but the city group is the call for you to actually step on the field and get messy with it. So that's what, that's what we're doing with it. It's the real grain game. It's what you're training for. You theological-minded people, here's a statement for you. I love theological statements. Sanctification occurs as you share the gospel. You realize that? Part of your growth in godliness, part of your spiritual formation, part of your sanctification is actually practicing the Great Commission. 
It's actually practicing the Great Commission. Not simply learning good theology, but a practice it. Arise and shine, my dear friends. Your light has come. It has come. And then you see in verse 2 of this poem how Isaiah references the darkness. Look with me again here. He says, For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and His glory shall be seen His glory shall be seen upon you. One of the things, quite frankly, that I get exhausted with as a preacher and a communicator, just to be perfectly frank with you, I sort of get exhausted with this, is how the church at times tends to overemphasize the darkness of the world at the expense of its own light. Sort of a pet peeve of mine. It really bothers me sometimes how negative pastors and preachers are. Just to be real honest with you, sometimes the way we, all we want to do is talk about how twisted the nature of the world is and set the culture out as this enemy and frame everything and how the church is against the culture. I understand what's trying to be communicated in that. I really do. And I want you to hear me really clear right here. I have absolutely no problem preaching on sin. <laughs> You might learn that in the next year. I have no problem preaching on that. I have no problem preaching on the depth of sin. Sin is immense. Original sin is as metastasized in human activity in ways that are herefore too unknown. See that last night. Saw that yesterday in this country. And I grieve regularly over how it manifests itself. But listen, sometimes I'm, I'm exhausted with highlighting the darkness. To be honest with you, I'm absolutely exhausted with it at times. Turn off Fox News. Seriously, I get you for 35 or 40 minutes on Sunday. Turn off Fox News. Turn off social media. I'm just, I'm just level with you. Let's keep it real for a minute. I'm not opposed to it in general, but that's how I have to stay off. I don't have social media. I've never had a social media account in my life. I can't take it. I want to talk about the light. All I'm saying is that we serve a big God. Let's talk about the light. Let's talk about the light. Let's focus on the life. Good grief. What are we even doing? This world can leave you cynical. Let's talk about the light, man. Look, Isaiah, he, he, he gives you the darkness. He talks about the darkness, but he doesn't leave you in the darkness. He says that darkness shall cover the earth, but, but, but. Look at this. This is the key statement to the whole thing. He says the Lord will arise upon you and, he will, and his glory shall be seen. Amen. I want to talk about the light. The gospel of Jesus Christ is more gloriously beautiful than any truth ever in the history of mankind. The gospel has arrived. It's the glory of God upon you. The light is here. There's joy and abundance and satisfaction and flourishing. Each of us as a child of God were once covered in darkness, but by God's good mercy, he has cloaked us now with the gospel. By God's good pleasure pleasure he has come upon us and give us light my sweet friends arise and shine your light has come stand up and show yourself as the city of our lord stand up and show yourself the light of the gospel has come and we're calling the church to spread the light by living on mission in community for the gospel there's the statement again we're calling you to spread the light of the gospel throughout this city prepare yourself for the city group rollout And then look at verse 3 through 5. There's two aspects of this I want you to see. This is so good to me. Does anybody else think this is good stuff? 3 through 5, Isaiah, the book of Isaiah is beautiful. It says, The nations shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around you and see. They all gather together and they come to you. The sun shall come from afar and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. 
And then you shall see and be radiant, and your heart shall thrill and exalt, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you, and the wealth of the nations shall come to you. We see here in, one of the, one of the, in this piece of story that Isaiah gives us, he says that the city of God, it will arise from the darkness. God's glory will descend upon them and they will be light to the nations. We know that the gospel has spread all over the world from the city of Zion, from the city of the Lord to both the Jew and the Gentile. They both inherit the kingdom. That's the reason we're, in the child, we're, in the, we're a child of God now. As the city of the Lord, we arise and shine because the gospel has arrived. But what of this city? What of the people of God? How do we characterize them? There are elements of this poem, there's elements of this passage that are speaking to the future glory of the, of the church when Jesus arrives. But yet, remember, we're in that in-between space. Jesus has arrived, but we're waiting on the second coming where the consummation of the new heavens and the new earth arrives. So we're in this in-between space. So what do we do? Jesus came after Isaiah wrote this. We know that Jesus came after Isaiah wrote this, so we're waiting on him to return. So how do we live as redeemed people until, we, until he arrives the second time? Catch this. There's a particular quality about this city. Particular qualities about this city. The city of the Lord. And Isaiah, he sort of tips us off to this. There are qualities of the city of the Lord, the children of God, that Isaiah, I think he captures them better than anybody in the Old Testament. I think he does. There's two qualities of this city, and I'm going to explain these very carefully to you. The first and second are both this. This is the two pieces of it. There's an attractiveness and there's a persuasiveness to this city. Look at what the... Look at what the, what the prophet writes here. He says, the nations will come to your light. They, then in verse 4, they all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar. Do you hear the attractive nature of this? The city of God by way of the gospel is so attractive. There's an appeal to it there. There's a desirability to it. God assures us that he is collecting his children, but we must first arise and shine. We must first arise and shine. I don't have time to get in all of this, but this is, this is my conviction. I believe this. I believe that Christianity, is, listen to this, Christianity is at its brightest when it is placed in contrast to darkness. Christianity, when it's lived out in the contrast of darkness, it is the brightest thing on earth. It is so bright. I just want to say point blank that I think that Christian living, that's a key statement, living, Christian living is, is, is the most attractive thing on earth. I really mean that. I'm going to explain that to you in a minute. I'm talking about Christian living. I'm not talking about Christian marketing or, 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 or Christian trendiness. I'm talking about Christian living. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful when it's lived out. It's so attractive. I believe that with all my heart. We, we, we tend to lo we lose words in the Christian faith. We just lose them. What I mean by that is they take on these meanings that were never intended for them, and we just lose them. We just lose these... Not, I'm a word guy. I like words. I do a lot of writing, so words are important to me. Attractive. We've lost that word. It carries a negative connotation sometimes in some places, in some camps in the church. I want to explain to you what I think attractive Christian living is. You ready for this? I don't want to lose words here. When I talk about attraction, I mean the light of the gospel lived out in your life. That's what I mean by that. Do you know that there are so many people, and do you know there's so many people in this community that has never seen a Christian marriage up close and personal? You realize that? 
God's favor rests upon me because I had two parents that walked in the faith. Every day I woke up, I got to see what a man of God and a lady of God looked like, how they act. Do you realize most people in this community have never seen that? They've never seen that. Do you see the attractiveness in it? It's so attractive to me. They've never seen how how a Christian home operates or they've never witnessed the faithfulness of a husband or the faithfulness of a wife under the gospel. Would Would you know that the Christian home is beautiful? Do you believe that, that the Christian home is beautiful? It's so attractive. It's the gospel lived out. It's God's glory on display. We believe that. Would you know that most people have never seen how a Christian suffers? Would you believe that? In this community, most people have never seen how a Christian suffers. It's a different thing. Some of you, have, some of you are in difficult times right now. Pastors know more than you think they do. Like Santa Claus, they watch you. There are some of you going through difficult stuff right now. Some of you have had the hardest year that you've ever had in your life. It's real. I'm not here to tell you suffering doesn't exist. It's a very real thing. It's part of your story. Do you know that most people outside the faith have never seen a Christian suffer? Some of you suffer so well. Some of you suffer beautifully. It's the great Christian paradox of our faith. It's God's glory shining in the midst of suffering. Put it on display. Put it on display for His glory. Do you know that this room is full of people that day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, they've lived faithfully unto God for decades. They're right here in this room. Day after day, they've lived faithfully. They have gray hair, and they've loved God, and they've honored His name, and they've lived it out in this area of life. That's so attractive. It's so attractive to me. It's beautiful. It's God's glory shining through them. I could go on and on in here, but God, but Isaiah unfolds this sense of attraction because he tells us that the glory of the Lord is shining through you. In other words, it's the glory of God that shines through you that attracts people. It's living out the gospel in this city in order that the glory of God might be known and the Christian faith might shine. We, as the pastors of Grace on the Ashley, are calling you to arise, to go into this city, to live out the faith in everyday situations and be the city of the Lord within Charleston and under those and to those that are outside the faith so they can see the light of the gospel and they can be attracted and they can be persuaded to be with Jesus. It's not your abilities that are attractive and persuasive. It's the gospel. It's the gospel that's attractive. Arise and shine. Your light has come. Stand up and show yourself as the city of our Lord. Stand up and show the glory of God that's so attractive and so persuasive. City groups will be a small group system that calls you to live on mission in the city. You'll gather as a group. You'll gather as a group. You're going to enjoy community and life together, but we want you to do things with people outside the faith. We want you to do things that people can see the light of the gospel. We want you to create spaces in these groups for unbelievers to come in so that you can have gospel conversations and share the gospel with them. What are you even talking about, Britt? It's so easy. You, at your group, you might go to a River Dogs game. Whatever you know, you live in one of the most beautiful places on earth. Just go do something in Charleston and invite unbelievers into it. Go do it with community. Go do it with Christians. It's very simple on that. We're going to call you to commit to some kind of community service project as a group. I don't know what God's laid on your heart. Maybe you like the International Water Missions. Maybe you like Habitat for Humanity. Maybe you like the Boys and Girls Club. But as your group, we're going to call you to serve this community in some way. 
We're going to call you to get down into one-on-one partnerships, to one-on-one discipleship. There's a couple different things. We're going to make this all very clear, so don't get caught in the weeds of it right now. But it's in these spaces that the light of the gospel shines, and it's so attractive and so persuasive. This systems in small groups is really just a shift in the way that we think about evangelism. It's the same message, the same glory, the same gospel, the same light, the same conversation that needs to happen. It's just a longer on-ramp. You have to invest more in people's lives to gain the ability to be able to do this. The attraction and the persuasion, I want to be so clear about this. The attraction and the persuasion, it's not some manipulation or painting some picture of Christianity that, that isn't real. Matter of fact, it's the inverse. This is a messy thing. Christianity is not easy, and it's messy, but it's so beautiful. It's so attractive. It's not about your extremely charismatic personality, or lack thereof, or your gifting to evangelism, whatever that means. It's the light of the gospel reflected in you. Go live that light out. Go live it out. The the gospel has come to you by no doing of your own. God has called you to himself by his own good pleasure. His glory rests upon you by way of the gospel. It's the gospel that's attractive and persuasive. It's not Brit. It's the gospel. I can't maintain any level of attractiveness to people. It's the gospel. Only the gospel attracts. Only the gospel attracts. Arise and shine. Your light has come. Stand up and show yourself as the city of our Lord. Stand up and show the glory of of our God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's so attractive and so persuasive. God has separated his church out and he's lifted her up by his hand in a world of darkness. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. He has brought the light in by way of the gospel so that it might spread throughout the world. Arise and shine, my friends. Your light has come. Stand up and show yourself as the glory of our God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Stand up and show the gospel as an attractive and persuasive thing. Prepare yourself for the coming of the City Group Initiative. Prepare yourself for the opportunity to live on mission in community for the gospel. Prepare yourself to arise and shine for your light has come. Your light has come. The light that is in you, but the light that is borrowed from Christ Jesus. Is the radiance of the glory of God. He's the son of all righteousness. He's the source of justification before a holy God. To him alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we're humbled by the opportunity to live under your glory. It's the aim of all that we do. And we live selflessly. So I pray now, by way of the Holy Spirit, make application to our lives, dear Lord. Sink deeply into our hearts about the need to reach this community, to reach this city, and ultimately call for the church to reach these nations, the nations, Father. We're thankful that you give us light to shine, so may we be people of light, and may we focus on the light. May we have hearts to love the people around us. Break our hearts for this community, break our hearts for this city, and break our hearts for the nation. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you for that in his son's name.